0: I'd like to consecrate this teaching tonight to our divine mercy, to his sacred heart, and to the through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Tonight's teaching is living chalices, and I asked you to to read carefully chapter three, section. C7 in our path. We've been speaking constantly about our identities as mothers and missionaries of the cross. And Jesus has told us that our identity is to be his living chalices. And so I'd like to to focus tonight on what that means and how we become living chalices. The beginning of section three steps, C7, you see is focused on the wedding at Cana. And it speaks about six vessels. And you all know this story and you can read it, but there's some points here about being a living chalice that's important to our identities, and that is that those vessels, it says in our path, were unnoticed. They seem to be unnecessary, and this is very important because more and more our formation in the identity Christ has given us is in his hiddenness, in his interior martyrdom of the heart. And so I'd like to focus today's teaching on one teaching from the Lord, which is number 59. And what I'd like to do is read what the Lord gave us and then break it up into sentences and dissect it together, what the Lord is telling us. So, number 59, in the newest edition, it's on page 177, which is what in Spanish also. The first edition, I, I'm not sure, but it's 3C7. And the Lord said it to us. I am preparing my pure holy vessels by cleansing them with my precious blood. These living chalices will be filled with my precious blood as I unite them to the word of the cross and they suffer with me. My blood will be poured upon my church to cleanse her through them. You have been given the particular mission of cleansing my priesthood. Then he quotes from scripture. Woe to you, O Jerusalem. How long will it be before you are made clean? To receive my blood is to receive my suffering. My love and new life. As my martyrs of love, you are called to suffer with me so that you can love with me. In this way, you become my living chalices of healing grace for many. Why is this so important for today before we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday, this coming Sunday? Because as a community we must understand how our charism is so united to the messages of St. Faustina to the Church of Divine Mercy. And in particular, what the Lord is asking of his little mustard seed of love crucified is not just that we receive his mercy and forgive us our sins. But the Lord is wanting something greater from us. He wants us, He thirsts to make each of us His vessel, the fountain of His divine mercy. That's our calling. So we His desire and and the path is to make us that living chalice, that fountain, that vessel that receives his blood and is able to pour it out to the world. So I'm going to take this teaching from the Lord sentence by sentence. The first sentence, the Lord tells us, I am preparing my pure holy vessels By cleansing them with my precious blood. So the beginning is what the Lord is telling us he's doing. He's preparing us. He's preparing to make us his pure, holy vessels. And in order to prepare us to become and live our true identities as his living chalices, we have to be purified. Every chalice has to be purified. I have here two chalices. This is Father Ron's chalice. And this is my chalice. They are both chalices. And as you can see, They're both different. Every mother and every missionary of the cross is called to become a pure chalice of the Lord. But each one of us will be unique as his chalice. So we all have the same identity, but the identity is in the uniqueness of each of us. There will be no chalice. Like Lisa's chalice. There will be no chalice like mine. Father Jordy's chalice will be unique to him. And that's the beauty. So how are we prepared? How does the Lord prepare us to become his living chalices? That is... Really, the heart of chapter three in our path the healing of our wounds. In and I'm not going to go over all of chapter three, I'm just but I'm going to go over some key things in page 111. Now, I'm going to read something that we added to the path in the second edition. So all of us that have the first edition, what I'm going to read to you is not in your book. Okay, it's in the second edition. And it says this. This wound is the place we meet Jesus face to face. This wound will be the source of transformation for us. This wound is the channel of mercy. The transformed wound, is the source of light to the world. I explain a lot when I, I give accompaniment. The Lord has placed so much emphasis in the path on our wounds. And why? Uh, the wound is the sacred place in our hearts that is transformed by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to become his living chalice. Our, without our wounds, we cannot become living chalices. But unless we allow Jesus Christ to purify and cleanse and empty our wounds We cannot become the pure, sacred vessel to hold his life and his precious blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, if this chalice was contaminated and had dirt in it, we could not have the blood of Christ in it, because it's sacred. Therefore... The life of Christ, that precious blood, cannot be contained as Jesus' chalice in our heart if it's all contaminated. So Jesus uses his blood to clean it, to purify it, so that his life can enter it and it can remain. His life and his blood wants to remain in the chalice of our heart, not to leave, as a sacred vessel. So, that is why the constant allowing the Holy Spirit to purify us is essential for the formation of who we are as mothers and missionaries of the cross. And I was thinking in our path how it talks about the leaf and the weeds and the plant. And sure, every mother and missionary of the cross can go to confession and give the priest and give the Lord the leaf of our sin, and that's okay. And we're going to receive the mercy of Christ anyways, in that confession, where he's going to heal that sin. But what's wrong with that? Why is the thirst of Christ not quenched by that? Because when we only give the leaf and the entire plant and root system of our entire brokenness and darkness, it remains in our heart. There is no room for the life of Christ to enter and to remain with us as a sacred vessel. Our hearts are full of garbage. And so as we approach divine mercy, the Lord begs, Because he wants us to uproot the whole plant with the entire root system of all our woundedness so that there's a huge hole. And then that hole, just like the priest goes and wipes, the Lord comes in to cleanse and prepare, like he tells us in this first sentence so that his precious blood, his divine mercy can be poured into us and we can become those vessels for the Lord. So I'd like for you to stop one minute right now. That's why I asked all of you to bring something to write your journals. And I'd like it for you to take a few minutes with me. And I want everyone in this community right now To write the core wound you have discovered. We all have many wounds but we all have a core wound or wounds maybe two that we received very young in our lives. So I want you to write your core wound and next to that core wound I want you to write the knowledge that the Holy Spirit in this community through the path has given you so far of all your disordered tendencies that have come from this wound and also the infection of the lies that came into this wound. What have you learned about this sacred place in your heart, your wound? So take right now time to write your wound, where it came from, how it's been infected with lies and with your disordered tendencies. Okay. I wanted to take just a few minutes to do this. Because even after years of being in love crucified and dealing with this, we can see that it's still difficult. And if there is anyone in our community that sat there unable to write a core wound, I would really like you to speak to me. I would encourage anyone that hasn't identified any core wound to send me an email so that we can we can talk and find out because We can't enter our true identities if we can't enter this process. If you can't identify your coral wounds, if anybody doesn't have any knowledge of their disordered tendencies or any lies that infected our wounds, then, you know, I encourage you to to come to me so I can try to help you. If you found yourself immediately writing and connecting the dots, it's because this is normal work for you and you've been doing this work for a while. And this work will really continue the rest of our lives. But those core wounds are essential. There's something else that I want to mention with the work of this core wounds that's not in our path. But because our path is a living path and it's not complete, because we move in the path as the Holy Spirit moves us. I spoke a lot lately because the spirit has been moving me in that way. And I spoke a lot about this in our last retreat in the United States. The inner child in all of us. And I feel that the Lord is bringing me to Georgia Monday for a few days because I think part of the work that I need to do when I get there is to write this into the path. So I'm hoping to do that. But... What I'd like to tell all of you is that when you discover your wound and you name it, that means you touched it, that is where your inner child is. In the path it talks about the wound being in that dark room that's been closed. That wound is our wounded child. And the child that is buried inside of us is that wounded child. In Chapter 4, where we speak about we have to let Christ find us so that his mercy can penetrate us, we ourselves are the ones that have to enter that cave, that tomb, I was in accompaniment with somebody recently, and I was really taken by something she said to me. I asked, I have been asking everyone in accompaniment about what age, what age do you remember that wound happening? It's amazing how everybody tells me an age really quickly. And this woman told me I I was 12 and she looked at me serious as can be. Her eyes watered and she said to me, Lourdes, she was buried alive. And I was like, those words was, it, it was like penetrated my heart. She was buried alive. At the age of 12, she was buried alive. And I felt that's all of us. Those profound traumatic wounds of not being loved, of not being affirmed, of receiving abuse, that those boys and girls, those children were buried inside of us. And as we here celebrate the resurrection of Christ, the Lord comes through this, the cross, to resurrect first and foremost each of us, the boys and girls that in a way died, something, and those little boys and girls died when they didn't receive the love that they desperately needed, when they didn't receive the affirmation, when they didn't receive the embrace. Something died. And Jesus Christ now comes. But we need to participate because I and each of you have to find that child. I have to go to that little girl inside of me. I have to see her. And I have to embrace her and love her. And tell her that I am so sorry that our mother could not love her the way she needed and I love her. And I am the one that moves her gaze to Jesus and tells her to look at Jesus. And I am the one that brings her in that deep wound into the wounds of Jesus to be embraced by the love of God that has always loved her. You see, this work is needed so we enter and receive and become truly our authentic identities as living chalices. There is something also that I spoke about in the retreat. When I speak to almost every single person, the Lord teaches me a lot of living the path through my experience, but through the experience of each of yours, through the honor I have of accompanying the souls that I accompany. And there is something that the Holy Spirit starts to highlight in my heart, showing me, Lord, this is important. And I, the Holy Spirit, want to enter. Those children, wounded children and all of us, so many people tell me this. When they see their child wounded and I ask them, what do you see? What did you feel? And I ask, what did that child feel? Almost everybody tells me this. Powerless. Impotent. Silent. Because as children, We could not defend ourselves and protect ourselves. We lost our voice. And this is really important, my family, to understand where we lost our voice. Because one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit as we come into the cross and make ourselves vulnerable to God, to enter the most intimate places of our heart, one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give each of us is our voice back. To be silent when someone is hurting us, because we lost our voice, is a disorder. That kind of silence is not necessarily virtuous. That's a disordered silence. That is the silence of fear. That if I say something, I am not going to be loved. I am going to be ridiculed. I am going to be abandoned and rejected. In order for us to become and live our true identities and mission, we must have a voice. I wrote to you on Good Friday about courage. We cannot be courageous men and women for God if we don't have a voice and if we're scared to use our voice. So we must receive the gift of our voice back. It's a gift of the spirit he wants to give us. The second sentence of this teaching from the Lord says this. These living chalices will be filled with my precious blood. As I unite them to the word of the cross and they suffer with me. And I wrote this today. I could live the rest of my life here on earth as an oppressed victim, a victim of bondage, because I continue living. The same wounds as an adult, but reacting from the wounded child within me. This is the circle of dysfunction. God in his infinite mercy will use even these disordered sufferings in our lives for good because he's so merciful. But he loves us so much. That he wants to set us free to know true love and become true love. (laughs) I can suffer in my disorder, and God knows it. He's going to use it anyway. But as long as I continue suffering as a victim of bondage, I'm in bondage. I'm not free. And Christ came to set me free. Not to have me live the rest of my life in bondage. I'll never be able to live my true identity and complete my mission if I am in bondage. And then I wrote this today. We cannot live as an oppressed victim And a pure victim of love. If I'm living as an oppressed victim, I'm an oppressed victim. But that's not what the Lord wants of the mothers and missionaries of the cross. The path is the formation of pure victims of love. And there's a huge difference. And the only way each and every one of us in this community can become pure victims of love, the vessels of divine mercy is by setting those oppressed victim children free. Because that's what Christ wants. And that's abandonment to the Holy Spirit. But as long as we continue... To not go there, we continue to live oppressed. And this is a big concern for me in the community. And I'll be honest with you, it's an especially huge concern for me, for our missionaries of Christ. Because I find that a lot of the men have a real hard time really entering this process of healing, of going to the wounds, of seeing their disorders, of coming to the light, of being transparent. And um, so I see that we really need to address this, and I'm here to bring it to the light. Only because I love you and I have in my heart what the Lord wants for each of us, including for myself. And he doesn't want us to be oppressed victims. He wants us to be pure, holy, free victims. I received this beautiful email today from a woman. As I was organizing this teaching. And to me, this email was sent to me by the Holy Spirit. Because it this poem speaks completely about what I'm talking about. And I'd like to read it to you. The poem is called Lost Voice. It says, Maybe She expected him to say, I love you. Keep the baby. That's our baby. She never confronted his lack of stepping up for love. He did not step up, but cowered at the moment of truth. Love failed her. The fruit of love would be thrown away. And contrary to who she was, she remained silent. She failed to fight. She lost her voice. Her own selfishness would have to justify what would happen next. Rather than feel and allow the rejection to be named, felt, suffered, You convince yourself that you too want that. You begin to lie to self. You know it's wrong. Why else would you never talk about it again? Something broke. A part of me died. And although I would deny that truth, The life reveals a chaotic life of self-destruction. People care only about themselves. But now I know it wasn't something that died. It was someone, a child. This is a poem about someone that lost a child to abortion. But as I read it, I felt this poem applied to every single one of us. If you notice, the beginning of the poem says something very beautiful. It says, Love failed her. That's the wound. But I would say, And each and every one of us, love has failed us. That's the wound of all of us. Love failed us. And then there is a disorder that comes from that wound. What does the poem say? This is very important. Contrary to who she was, she remained silent. You see, her true identity is not that silence. That's the silence of an an oppression that came from that wound. And in that silence, she did not fight for her child. She couldn't. She had lost her voice. So she went along With what she, deep in her heart, knew was not correct. But the same thing happens to us all the time. We go along doing things that we know are not correct. She says, you begin to lie to self. Those are the lies we all come to believe about ourselves. And she says, you never talk about it again. Those wounds in all of us, that inner child was buried in all of us. And yet, there's something in your in all of us. Something in all of us when we were not loved. So I want you to meditate this poem In sentence three, the Lord says, my blood will be poured upon my church to cleanse her through them. That means each of us as his living chalices. My blood will be poured upon my church. The Lord has specifically asked love crucified every mother and missionary of the cross that I am going to cleanse my priesthood through each of you to the extent that we allow ourselves to become his living chalice. This mission that has been given to love crucified can be completed. But look how beautiful in our path what it says, in section of living chalices, it says, the gospel tells us that the jars were meant for the Jewish rite of purification. This too has a significant symbolism for our lives as victim souls, we, as Christ vessels, receive the wounded, dirty hearts of souls to be washed by our tears, united to Christ crucified. I, as the Mother of the Cross, in this precious chalice that becomes my—that is my heart. That is why the little girl cannot continue to be stuck inside of me. I have to bring her to Jesus to become one with me as an adult woman. Loved by him. So that I can receive the dirty, wounded hearts of so many souls the Lord gives me. And I can place each one of them in this sacred vessel, chalice of my heart. And in the purity of pain, of the grief of Jesus Christ and Abba, our father, in the most hidden work of the sacredness of the chalice of my heart, my community, this is who we are. This is our identity. This is not about apostolic work here. This is the work of the most profound, the most powerful work of the heart inside the sacred heart of Jesus. I just, I don't know anymore how to transmit the charism and the mission to you. But it's as if I can only beg you to allow the spirit to do this work in each of us so that those wounded hearts, the multitudes, how many just in our families, how many in our communities, in our schools, does the Lord want to place our territory of souls grows bigger and bigger but our heart the chalice has to expand so that all those souls can enter our chalice of our heart and the grief of Jesus and the grief of the Father we enter that grief and that silence and we remain In the grief, for as long as God wants. That is so hard. What does the human person want? To run and receive consolation, to call our friends, help. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to feel this grief anymore. But love, love moves us to remain in the grief but the pure grief, the grief of a pure victim soul. Number four, the fourth sentence. You have been given the particular mission of cleansing my priesthood. The mission of La crucified, cleanse the priesthood. And finally, at the end, the Lord says, To receive my blood is to receive my suffering, my love and new life. As my martyrs of love, you are called to suffer with me so that you can love with me. Here, the Lord specifically gives us our true, authentic identity. What is it? I am my identity. I am Jesus is martyr of love. That is who I am and who you are. That is your identity given to you as a mother and missionary of the cross. Those of you that are aspirants, this is where your discernment comes. Are you willing? Are you willing, men and women in this community, to allow yourselves to be empty in this way? To receive this identity. Because if you're not, this is not the community for you. And that's okay. But this is our community. This is what the Lord wants. This is our identity. I am as a mother of the cross. Now, am I living it to perfection? Absolutely not. But it's still who I am. And if I don't know who I am, as Jesus is martyr of love, I can't work towards that. Live that identity every day of my life. Because I don't know who I am. I can't continue allowing the Holy Spirit to purify me. If I don't know I am a martyr of divine of Jesus love. That's why we need to know who we are. And our mission, do I accept the mission to do this work of interior work above all else? My main work is not apostolic. My main work is not even to teach you. My main work is not even the the community of love crucified. That's all secondary. My main work is every single day remaining in the grief. Of the heart of Jesus and Ada and, and for the souls he's given me. And if I lose sight of my main mission, I, I I want I want to get rid of the grief. But when I said yes to my covenant, to yes to Jesus to be his victim soul, this is what I said yes to. If you don't feel called to be this kind of pure martyr, this is not the place for you. That's okay. And if you said yes, well, let's work together. If you said yes and you're a missionary of the cross or mother of the cross and you have no idea where your woundedness is, well, reach out to me. Reach out. How do we live our identity? Jesus tells us. By suffering his grief. No longer ours, but his. That's why our motto of the community. Suffer all with me. No longer two, but one in my sacrifice of love. Why? Why is that motto important? Because all of us have been suffering all our lives. But we haven't been suffering with Jesus. We've been suffering on our own. We've been suffering too. Jesus is over there and I'm over here suffering. That's been my whole life. The model of love crucified is suffer with me. I have to choose every single day to suffer with the Lord. How? When the Lord permits a suffering in my life, I have to see how Jesus is suffering that same suffering, how it's his grief. And I have to forget. I have to deny myself complaining, myself pitying. I have to deny my desire to run to my friends for consolation. And look at the Lord and say, I remain and see that suffering in him. That is tough. That is hard. And I would say I probably fail every single day of my life. I I, I, I do a lousy job. But you know what? I'm still trying. But I know who I am and who I am called to be. And that's what makes a mother and missionary of the cross. I have to see my grief in the Lord. I have to see it as his grief. Um, I'm going to stop here because I know I've gone over. (laughs) What I did is I took some messages from St. Faustina that I sent you by email. They're in Spanish and English. That you can see where the Lord speaks to St. Faustina of suffering with him. Of how he formed St. Faustina as his pure living chalice. There were two in red that I had put in red because I wanted to speak to you about them, but We don't have time tonight, maybe at another time, but maybe they're just meant for you to ponder. There's one in red that speaks about victim souls, of how our Lord speaks about victim souls to St. Faustina. So I feel like you have this to ponder as we get ready to celebrate the Feast of Divine Mercy and really ponder your identity and mission as mothers and missionaries of the cross, as the vessels, chalices of divine mercy. And remember that the colors, the colors of love crucified are red and white. They are the colors of divine mercy, the blood and water, the red martyrdom and the white martyrdom. They are our colors that define who we are.